You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. There's always been a tension, I guess, between law and mercy in our lives. There's a tension between justice and forgiveness. It's always something that's challenged and, and confused humanity since the beginning of time. We've always wanted to collapse those problems, those difficult situations, into something simple and to sort of map out some easy schematic on how to, how to deal with those situations. And whenever we do so, we know that whenever we do so, we lose something crucial, sacrifice something important, just to have a sort of peace of mind in a difficult situation that's hard to explain. You know, the Pharisees made things simple by just subordinating everything to the law. Everything was subject to the law. And in doing so, Jesus points out over and over again the way in which they, they sacrificed the dignity of the person in order to preserve the law in its perfection. You know, I grew up in the 90s. It was, I guess you could say it was like the height of relativism. And... We did the opposite thing. We were tempted in the opposite direction, which was to subordinate the law entirely to the person, to the point that we each would just went around and said, you know, I have my truth, you have your truth, and, you know, let's just go our separate ways, and you do you, and follow your bliss, and all this stuff. And when that actually hit the real world, that sort of idea of the law just being subordinate entirely to me, kind of like that Adam and Eve grasping at the right to decide what is good and evil is just unsustainable. When, when people's own individual moralities crash up against each other, it just doesn't work. And so we see that begin to fade away in our world today, and we're swinging back into a sort of legalism, much like the Pharisees, only it's not a legalism according to some concrete law. It's even worse than that. It's a sort of legalism where you can be tried and condemned according to an ambiguous law that Twitter decides or something like that. You know, Twitter's the arbiter of the law in 2021. And so no one even knows that law or what it is, but you can be condemned pretty easy. In our gospel today, Jesus faced this exact kind of question. And in answering it, he gave two great principles of Christian morality. And if we're expecting them to be easy or sort of easy to understand, then we're wrong. Perhaps they're easy to understand, they're just not easy to live. Jesus is always simple. He's, what, he, what he says is never the sort of clean and easy path forward. First, let's look to the Old Testament as the sort of root of what Jesus is saying here. It's from our first reading. But Moses begins with something that doesn't necessarily make sense on first sight for what he ends with, which is the great Shema prayer. He begins by saying, Fear the Lord your God and keep all the commandments. And then he immediately says afterwards, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. That's the beginning of the Shema, great Shema prayer. I won't give the whole thing to you in Hebrew. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your strength. 
To this day, every devout Jewish man and woman begins and ends their day with that prayer. What a great prayer to begin and end our day. But with what Moses begins with and ends with, we don't often bring together this idea of fear and love. Because we we have a limited idea of what fear is. We have a different idea of what it is than perhaps the Jewish people did. When we think of fear, we think of John's words when he says, perfect love casts out fear. And that's true of something that the church fathers called worldly fear. Worldly fear, it's a self-interested fear. It's the fear of losing wealth or of losing our health or our reputation or our friends or people's opinions of us. It's not bad to be you know, afraid of losing those things because they're good things. But in the end, that's not a fear that's going to sort of lead us toward God. There's another sort of fear, and Proverbs points to it when it says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This is a fear that we call filial fear. The fear of a child with regard to their parents. Now, I've talked to new parents who talk about this when they first have their first child and it's and they're new to the game and they just sudden suddenly have this visceral fear from time to time and they'll have to run into the room and check on the kid, make sure they're still okay, or you know, a buddy who was on a hike and he had his kid in the backpack and he just like stop suddenly and like pull the backpack around and look at her, just make sure she's still breathing. This kind of idea that that, you know, this kid is completely dependent on me and I have no idea what I'm doing and, you know, who knows whether they could just die suddenly, you know. And and God forbid that happened. Kids are tougher than we, you know, we realize eventually that they're pretty tough and they don't just, that doesn't happen. But the, but at the same time, it's not just that they, that we lose our child, which would be a terrible thing. It's that we would do something to cause that. Or we would neglect them in such a way that we would lose them. And to lose the one that you love most in the world because of something you've done, that is filial fear. This idea that I might do something to bring this about. And so those of us who have had an experience of God, who've really experienced his love, we know that we will never lose the Lord because of something he's done. We know that God doesn't just cast us out That's not the kind of God he is. He's perfect and infinitely loving and infinitely merciful. We can only ever lose our relationship with the Lord because of something that we do. If we abandon the Lord, that's how we will lose our relationship with him. And so that's fear of the Lord, fear of doing something like that, something that might hurt or put an end to our relationship with the Lord. Jesus takes this to yet another level in the gospel, as he always does. You know, he's this rare and beautiful encounter where a scribe actually approaches him and and actually wants to ask a real question instead of a question that's just going to trap him or trick him. Uh, There's no attempts to do that there. He actually just asks an authentic question. What is the greatest commandment? It's a great question. So first, Jesus points to the Shema prayer. You know, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he adds a second element to this. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
So there's two things going on here. Those two aren't the same commandment in the sense that they're not on an equal playing field. There's a hierarchy. He says, first, love the Lord your God with everything. We give everything to the Lord. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. Why is there a difference there? Well, because we can give everything to the Lord and we can expect everything from him. We can expect perfect love from God. We can't expect that from anyone else. In fact, if we do, we'll destroy that relationship. If, if you expect perfect love from your spouse or from your children or from your parents or from your friends, you'll destroy that relationship because they can't give that because like us, they're imperfect. So we love the Lord with everything and we expect everything from him because that's possible. And then once that relationship is established, it puts everything else into order. And then we love our neighbor as ourself. Now, if we don't found everything on the Lord, we end up in this place that you know, the psalmist speaks to. He says, if the Lord does not build the house in vain, do the builders labor. If we don't found everything on the Lord, then all of our labor will be for nothing. But second, how do we know that we love God? How can we actually know that we're loving the Lord with all our heart? It's not an easy thing to know. You know, how do I, I mean, sometimes I feel like I do, sometimes I feel like I don't. Well, we can know by whether or not we love our neighbor. That's the evidence for or against whether we actually love God. You know, John says it in his letter. He says, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You know, so for us as Christians, everything hinges on love, which simplifies and complicates our lives in a million different ways because there's no simple and easy way to be a Christian. Uh, you can't just do these things and get it done. Uh, we have to love our neighbor as ourselves, which is not an easy thing to do. In fact, it's a sort of terrifying thing because if we examine ourselves honestly, we always know we're falling short on that. We know we're not loving the Lord with our whole heart, and we know we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yet, because that is simply the only road forward, that is the narrow road, then as long as we're walking along it, even if we're crawling, as long as we're moving forward on that road, down that road of love, then we know we're on our way to the heavenly kingdom. There's a beautiful simplicity to that. And in the end, we know we're in K-1. 